Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hi everyone and welcome to My Millennial Money Medical. My name is Devraga and I'm your host and in this episode we will go through some of the things to consider when choosing your brokerage firm, especially when you're buying shares or ETFs. Noted that most of these are actually done online. Now, we can't do this podcast without the support of Altus Financial. As a full-service financial advisory business, they can help you in many ways, whether that be your requirements on general business advice, structuring and use of multiple entities for tax minimization, or even asset protection purposes to protect you for the extra risk we take on as medical professionals or a sounding board on ideas you have on your business. Check out altusfinancial.com.au. If you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims, education, empowerment, and entertainment. Now to the main topic, how do we choose a good stockbroker? Before we address that, let's look at what a stock brokerage firm is, because I think the basics and the fundamentals are really important. What is a brokerage firm? It's a company that acts as the middle person connecting buyers and sellers. Their main purpose is to facilitate transactions. And usually, these transactions are financial in nature. When you think about it, a real estate agency is kind of like a broker. They facilitate and connect buyers and sellers to ensure smooth real estate transactions are happening and all the laws and rules and regulations are followed. It's a very similar principle when it comes to financial markets. The way the brokerage firms get paid, though, are in numerous ways. One of the main ways is either the seller or buyer pays a commission for the transactions to occur. Now, I'll go into this a little bit more detail a little bit later in the episode about some of the other ways brokerage firms get paid to facilitate security transactions. And in the past, people used to stand around at the stock exchange and put orders in, physically. Plenty of humans involved in the transaction. But slowly but surely, over the years, most of these are moving to online orders. In fact, the Australian Stock Exchange was one of the first stock exchanges in the world to go fully electronic. In that regard, the US stock markets were far more paper-based even in the 90s, 2000s, compared to Australia. And a brokerage firm does not only deal with stocks or securities, they can deal with shares, ETFs, LICs, bond markets, mutual funds, hybrid securities, warrants or options, commodities, etc, etc. So they can deal with a lot of markets, not just your traditional shares. Why do we need brokers? Well, in a perfect world, we wouldn't. And here's why. Because all the transactions will be transparent. All the buyers will be clearly visible in the market. 
all the sellers will also be clearly visible in the market. But the whole point for sellers, though, is to get the best price possible. And the whole point for buyers is to get the cheapest price possible. Information is not openly available all the time. This is called asymmetric knowledge. And due to this, we need the middle person. And this middle person connects buyers and sellers and makes money in the process of connecting them together. Now, there are three main types of brokerage firms. Full service brokerage firms, discount online brokerage firms, and robo-advisors. Now, these are not strictly brokerage firms, but they kind of act like one. Let's go into detail about each of these types. So what is a full service broker? These are traditional brokerage firms. Now, people think Comsec is a full service broker. Actually, technically, they're not. They're merely an online platform, which is also a brokerage service that provides a lot more additional services than your traditional discount online broker. Full service brokerage firms offer a range of services, including stock and ETF trading, of course, money management services, estate planning options, tax advice, and even financial advisory consultations. They provide specific financial advice and investment advice, manage all the investment decisions, and provide ongoing human service and support. And they're not cheap. In Australia, UBS and Morgans is an example of a full-service broker. And here are some others. Bell Potter Securities Limited, Morgan Stanley Wealth Management Australia, Morgans Financial Group, Philip Capital Limited, Shaw and Partners Limited, and Macquarie Equities Limited, and there's more around. Now, I can't think that most of the average retail investors, i.e. people like you that are listening to this podcast episode, except for the likes of maybe Buffett or Gates or Bezos and Musk, they listen on their spare time as well, and I do provide you know personalised advice to them. Apart from them, most people won't need full-service brokerage firms. Now, some full-service brokers also have an online or discount brokerage arm of their business, and that's completely separate. And some other services full-service brokers offer are up-to-date stock quotes, research on macro and microeconomic factors, refer to episode 217 where I specifically discuss these factors, market analytics, and interpretation of the data. Now, usually the costs are relatively high compared to discount online brokers. Sometimes $30 per transaction, plus commission on the transactions, etc., Or sometimes they just provide a wrap service where they just charge an assets under management fee and don't charge for brokerage at all. It's all very individualised. And generally speaking, full service brokerage firms deal with higher net worth clients. Let's use an example. Amy is a dentist who owns several practices. Recently, her accountant notified to her her income is very high and her net worth has crossed $9 million dollars. And most of this is in the stock market. Note, this doesn't include the value of her businesses. It is just her personal net worth. Her accountant has noted, maybe it's time to engage a full-service broker who can provide advice, tax planning and research analytics for her investments. And of course, the accountant will work with them as well. This is because it's getting harder and harder for Amy to manage everything herself and Amy's financial advisor is quite happy to still be part of the team but is unable to provide a full range of services for her. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a multi-millionaire to engage a full-service broker, but the cost-effectiveness for lower net worth individuals engaging a full-service broker 
just doesn't add up. So what are discount brokerage firms such as online brokerage firms? We have a rise of such firms in Australia. The two main ones are Self-Wealth and Perlo that keeps floating around, but there are newer ones like Superhero and Sharesies. Stake is another one, but I think it's not an Australian company, and I was thinking more it's an American company. Now, in America, they have hundreds and hundreds. Robinhood is probably the most famous one out there. Schwab or Fidelity have discount brokerage arms of their main businesses too. The cost of such brokerage firms is much cheaper and sometimes even offer free brokerage. They provide much lesser services and don't have much of a human touch. You can't call them up and speak to a specific person who deals with your specific brokerage account. A lot of the full-service brokerage firms do have an arm of low-cost brokerage services because they've realised it's a market they're missing out on. And usually this means the clients and customers have to do their own market research and most of the firms do provide the analytic tools for this to happen but just don't provide specific advice about current market, economic or market conditions. Now, most Australian retail investors outside of super just use online brokerage firms. It's simple, it's easy, it's effective, it's cheaper, and most people don't need to do the hardcore market analysis before making the investment decisions because they're not in it for the short term. Most people don't do day trading. We are long-term investors, trying to build wealth over the long term. Now, robo-advisors are an interesting bunch. This is not strictly a brokerage firm per se, but it's become more and more popular and originated in the 2010s. It's an online platform run by a company which provides algorithmic trading based on a set of rules and your risk profile. Most robo-advisors just follow the modern portfolio theory, passive investing, long term. We did discuss this theory in the previous episode for all of you geeks out there. Now, the automation and the lack of human touch means the fees are cheaper. And usually they provide a risk profile assessment on the client, which is you, and then execute a set strategy consistently over the long term. Stockspot, Sixpark, Investmart, Spaceship Voyager, Raise Invest, they're some of the more popular options in Australia. And there are plenty more. I've done an extensive episode way back in episode 39, where I discussed the concept of robo-advisory services, but that was recorded way back in 2019. So things may have changed, but the basic principles remain the same. So go back and listen to it if you're interested in this specific topic. Now, you need to note that sometimes some brokerage firms only sell some products. For example, some firms only sell Australian products. Others sell only US products, whilst many others focus only on Asian markets. Also, make sure the broker is independent. That is, they don't have a captive market. In Australia, brokers need to have a fiduciary duty, as far as I'm aware. So how many stockbrokers are there in Australia? There's literally tons and tons of stockbrokerage firms in Australia, mainly discount and online versions. Generally speaking, with any of the stockbrokerage firms, you can't usually buy cryptocurrency because it's a completely different market. Crypto markets are not even fully regulated in Australia, and I think regulation will come and will be good for the industry. When we discuss stockbrokerage firms, we are mainly referring to companies which enable security transactions in traditional financial markets. Stocks, ETFs, LICs, bonds, commodities, etc., etc. If you want global markets, eToro might suit. If you want most world markets, CMC Markets might suit. They have access to 15 global markets. If you only want US or Australian markets, 
than maybe just Superhero, Southwealth, Perla. Then there's Comsec, NAB Trade, Westpac Affiliated Trading Platforms or ANZ Trading or Interactive Brokers. The list simply keeps going on. Now we'll go through how to go about selecting a broker after the break, but that's a different topic. Before the break, we're going to focus more on brokerage firms, what are they and how they make money. So how do they make money? Brokers are nice people, but they're in it for the money. Just like a real estate agent who makes money connecting buyers and sellers, brokers in the financial world don't do things for free. The only people that do things for free that they need to be paid for are probably healthcare workers. Now, maybe I'm lying. Maybe there's a lot of other industries that are getting ripped off all the time, but healthcare workers specifically get ripped off all the time because the consistent expectation is you either work for free or you work for less than what you're worth. Now, some of the ways brokerage firms make money include, rarely, some brokers charge fees for merely depositing money into your brokerage account. This is quite rare. Let's face it, if this was mainstream, no one would want that broker because it's a bit outrageous. Likewise, they have withdrawal fees. Some brokers charge fees for when you want to take money out of your brokerage cash account. Again, not that common. Check the PDS. Some brokers may charge fees if your account is inactive. Again, watch for these fees. Check the PDS. It's not very common, but it does exist. Essentially, if you're using a broker, they make money when you trade. So if you're not as active, they don't make as much money. And therefore, they charge fees. Very cheeky. Some brokers, when doing leverage trades, which I don't do or recommend, sometimes they charge you overnight fees. And every night the trade is still outstanding, you pay a fee. Buy and sell spreads. The brokers make money this way. I've done a detailed episode on this in episode 214, where I go through how brokers and also market makers make money this way. Of course, commissions for the trade. This is quite common. Most brokers charge a fee for executing a transaction. There can be a percentage fee on the trade or flat fee. That's probably the most common way they make money. And the interest earned while your money sits in the cash account. That might actually go to the broker and not you. So what are some of the other unique ways brokers make money? In the fine print. Some brokers actually make money when the investor loses money. This is more common in the market maker situations. Some brokers charge fees for selling the stock. This is called in and out commissions. So when you get into the market, you pay. When you get out of the market, you pay. That is on top of any realised capital gains tax, which you may be liable for to the ATO. What about free brokerage? What about companies which charge no brokerage fees at all? Now, my view on that is when something is free, it's not free. In investing, there is no such thing as free. You are paying for it one way or another. Again, the only people that I know of that do free stuff are healthcare workers. They work for less money. They get charged extraordinary amount of fees to be a healthcare worker whether it be APRA or indemnity fees or college fees. And sometimes they're expected to work for free from their health services or bulk bill people or charge less because, you know, you're a healthcare worker. You need to work for less or work for free. 
Obviously, I'm a little bit bitter about it, but currently this is what's happening across the nation for healthcare workers. And I think it's really important that we all band together and stick and just say, I'm not going to work for free. I just want to get paid for what I'm worth. That's all it is. It's not a radical concept. Just pay me for the work that I do. Now, back to the free brokerage firms. You're going to pay for it one way or another. Some overseas trading platforms offer zero brokerage trading, and this is how it works. Sometimes brokers can borrow money using your stock as collateral. That seems crazy, but some overseas brokers do this. They then use that money to do investments on their own to gain returns. And this concept is called rehypothecation. I guess it's kind of a bank using your money deposited in the savings account and lending it out to others and charging interest to make money off your money. It all works well when the financial system is going well, but it goes horribly wrong during market crashes, especially when you want to sell your securities. But of course, they've used it as collateral for their own business activities. Things can get a bit grey here. The second main way or other interesting ways that brokerage firms make money is something called payment for order flows. Now, in Australia, it's not really allowed. So this is more of an American thing or other markets thing, but it's worthwhile understanding that if you are using brokerage firms that are situated overseas. This is when there's a slightly higher buy price and lower sell price. And this means the spread is higher, which means the broker cleans up on the profits. Robinhood did this a lot when they first introduced zero commission brokerage. TD Ameritrade did something similar and cleaned up half a billion dollars in 2020, and that's US dollars. The problem here is there is little transparency in this process, and the broker is meant to be acting on your best interests, the client. To make matters worse, brokers like Robinhood send their orders to their market makers who actually fulfil those orders, and the market maker pays Robinhood a fee for sending those orders as well. So let's use these concepts and use an example to highlight these points. Amy is a dentist and is starting on her investing journey. She wants to invest quarterly around $5,000. She wants a simple online brokerage firm. She does some research and it finds out the best company is company ABC Brokerage Firm. They have a flat fee of $10 per trade. She calculates for a yearly investment of $20,000, a brokerage is only $40. That's about 0.2% of the total value of the stock she buys. This is because she has read that it's always better to keep brokerage fees to less than 1% of the total stock orders. She logs into the broker and links her bank account to the cash account of the online broker. She transfers $5,000 ready for a first trade. She does more research and finds this. Any interest earned from a money staying in the cash account of the broker is taken by the broker. There is only fees on the way in, that is to buy stock, but no fees to sell stock. They don't have any other hidden fees. They do use a market maker, but have found the buy-sell spread's quite reasonable, and they don't do payment for order flows because it's prohibited in Australia, and this broker is domiciled in Australia. Now, when you have a broker, you need to check if it's Australian-based or overseas-based. My understanding is if overseas-based, they need to abide by their local regulations and rules, but not sure if they still need to abide by all the local Australian regulations and rules. I'd be interested if you had more information about this, so feel free to contact me about this, especially if you're a 
brokerage firm owner that's listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, before we go on about some of the things to consider about, you know, which broker to go with, let's have a quick break. And when I come back, we will discuss some of the things to consider when choosing a stockbroker. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. And um, just another thanks to Altus Financial for getting behind My Millennium Money Medical. We can't do this without them. Whether you're established in your career with a solid income and looking for next steps, or you're after advice about buying into or selling or opening your first practice, Altus Financial can help. Altus is offering a complimentary 15-minute chat for anyone who wants to discuss their scenario with their professional team. Click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, let's go through some of the things to consider when choosing a stockbroker. Number one, do you need a full-service broker or an online broker? This is probably the easiest question you can answer. Most people, dare I say, don't need a full-service broker. They just need an online broker. Online brokers like SelfWealth, Comsec, Perla, they provide the tools for the investor to do their own research, and the costs are much cheaper. They do not offer personalised services. It's up to the investor to do their due diligence. Data-wise, there's so much free data available. I mean, I use Yahoo Finance sometimes. That's probably the best one that I've found, along with Google Finance, if you want a detailed breakdowns for each individual company or ETF. Some online brokers do charge an extra fee to access analytical data and market research features, which are far more detailed than what you get in the public domain. So from now on, we'll be focusing mainly on online brokerage firms. What are the costs? Now, I compared the cost of investing across multiple platforms, mainly online brokers, and here they are. Number one, eToro. Allows global markets, zero brokerage fees for US, Hong Kong, European stocks, but they have an inactivity fee of $10 per month. That is, you get charged if you don't use their trading features because, let's face it, that's how they make money. They also offer high-volatile investment strategies called CFDs. Now, CFDs are contracts for difference. It's basically a financial derivative. allows you to speculate on the rising and falling prices of various asset classes. Now, if there's gambling and investing, this is it. They're very high-risk products and certainly not really tra- uh, you know, something that I would do and hopefully most of the listeners just won't do it because you're in it for the long term. 
and we're not gamblers. Number two, self-wealth. $9.50 per trade, no inactivity fee, domiciled in Australia, allows trading Australian stocks and ETFs, etc., and also access to US markets online. And that's at this stage, and I think they have plans to expand further. And they have something called Self-Wealth Premium, which provides stock screening services, high-level stock reports, can construct target portfolios, advanced portfolio analysis, live pricing, and unlimited access to financial news. That sounds pretty cool. Whether you need it or not, it's up to you to decide. Number three, Superhero. Now, it's important to point out that Superhero is not chess sponsored. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the episode. They only charge $5 per trade, and that's quite cheap for Oz markets. And you can buy US ETFs and shares for zero brokerage fees. There's no inactivity fee. And they also have a super product now, which allows you to be very specific about your super portfolio. Number four, Comsec. Industry favorite. Pretty close to full service online brokerage firm. They have a tiered structure for trading fees. For Australian shares, it's $10 up to $1,000, between $1,000 and $10,000, $29.95 between $10,000 and $25,000, and 0.12% of anything over $25,000 trades. So it's not cheap, it's quite expensive. And they're one of Australia's first online brokers, so you can buy in all markets. They have a very cheap version called Comsec Pocket, which is also much more affordable, mainly targeting millennials and Gen Z. You want to invest in preset ETF portfolios, and their charges is only $2 per trade up to 1000 bucks, and 0.2% of trades beyond that. Comsec main site has various trading fees for US markets and other markets. So it seems to be different for each market. And the fees that I've quoted in this episode, it's only for the Australian market. But they are the pretty much the industry standard and everything gets compared to Comsec, one of the first people to do online share trading in Australia. Now, IG Share Trading, that's another company. It's $8 per trade. It's $50 per quarter inactivity fees which is basically less than three trades per quarter. That was interesting. Basically, even if you did trades in the quarter, if it's less than three, you still get charged 50 bucks per quarter in activity fees. So they want you to be a relatively you know, prominent trader. You can access ASX stocks and global shares and ETFs. And for US markets, it's zero brokerage fees, but they do have a 24-hour customer support line, but I think it's mainly online. Now, CMC Markets Invest, uh, $0 brokerage fees across Australian and overseas markets, no inactivity fees ever. They offer ASX and global shares and ETFs. And I think there's also a brokerage if you want to buy more than $1,000, though, in terms of parcels. So when they say zero brokerage fees, I think it's only up to about 1000 bucks. If you want to invest more than that, there are some brokerage fees there. So um, I guess... Which begs the question, if you have $10,000 to invest, why not just put 10 separate orders in? Uh, Not sure how that would work. Surely they would have bans against this practice because otherwise people do it all the time. And you just read the fine print about this, whether this is allowed or not. And lastly, uh, Perla. This is one of Australia's newest brokers. Seems to be coming up more and more. Uh, Probably their best feature, I think, is their automation feature, which I really, really like. They really pioneered this for ETFs. Um, even Vanguard can't do this. For the life of me, I don't know why. But, um, you know, Pearl has done it really well and they were the first people to do it, I think, in the Australian markets. And I think that's good because I think their focus 
is on long-term investing and automation. And automation just works. So Vanguard, can you please get your butt together and do this? It's ridiculous that you don't have it. Now, in terms of fees, $9.50 flat fee for trades to buy AU products, $6.50 flat fee for trades to buy US products, and I think some ETFs are brokerage fee, uh, free. Sorry. Uh, they also have fund investments, which is cheaper, which is $1.70 per month, which is like a subscription service. And they also have something called bundle products at $2.30. I think they basically invest in specific ETFs like VDHG or VAS or VGS, etc., which is more designed for micro-investors, I think. Now, there's countless more brokerage firms in Australia, but these seem to be the main ones that are focused on. There are newer ones like Sharesies. I think it's a New Zealand company. They have an Australian arm as well, so correct me if I'm wrong. But fees seem a little bit expensive, um, 0.5% for the first 3,000 plus 0.1% for anything more than 3,000 is what I've read. You can access Oz, US and New Zealand markets. Now, it's important to also point out, which you need to also, you know, watch out for, is you may be slugged with currency exchange fees for each of these brokers, especially if buying overseas stocks and ETFs. You can check their PDS to find this out. For example, Sharesies, it was actually relatively easy to find out that it was a 0.4% currency exchange fee. It wasn't that obvious with other platforms. It's not listed easily on the main site. So I'm sure it's listed somewhere on the site, though, for all the other platforms, but you need to check. So moving on to what factors should you consider when choosing a broker? Number one, chess sponsorship. This gets thrown around a lot by brokers, but let's face it, crypto isn't chess sponsored, but a lot of people invest in crypto. Essentially, what chess sponsorship is, and it's called Clearinghouse Electronic Sub-Registry System, ASX keeps a record of who owns what shares. And when using a chess-sponsored broker, you get given an ID number called a HIN, which is a holder identification number. It's your number that's unique to you and you need to keep it to yourself and not tell the whole world about it. It's like a credit card pin or savings pin number. When you buy shares using a chess-sponsored broker, it means you own them directly. Traditionally, in other countries where chess sponsorship kind of doesn't exist, the shares or ETFs are held on behalf of the investor. This is the main difference between chess sponsorship and what's called custodian models. And I'll go about that in a little bit more. So when someone else holds the investments on behalf of you, it's called a custodian model. For example, IG Markets or Superhero are examples of brokerage firms which use the custodian models. So what's the big deal? It means if the broker goes down and they are chess sponsored, then technically you still own your shares. You move your account to a new broker and it's not as complicated. If a broker does go down and they're not chess sponsored, the ownership model or structure is not always entirely clear because you don't directly own the shares or ETFs, someone else owns it on behalf of you. Now, most brokers around the world are not chess sponsored. So in Superhero's case, for example, actually look this up, who actually uh, holds the assets under a custodian model, they have an institutional HIN, which holds the investments under a custodian. And I think it's called Superhero and Securities. You can read their website. They specifically state the investor still owns the assets held by the custodian and get all the dividends and get all the rewards as a result of share ownership 
And they also say creditors cannot actually access your investments and that's how your investments are protected. So you need to check with the broker specifically to find out how this ownership structure works. Now, personally, I think chess sponsorship gets blown out of proportion sometimes. Um, But if you feel more secure using a chess-sponsored broker, then go for it. If you read the broker's PDS and understand how their custodian model works and you like it, then go for that instead. Generally speaking, chess-sponsored brokers are slightly more expensive than custodian brokers and they have slightly higher fees, generally speaking. Again, I mentioned crypto isn't chess-sponsored. Hell, crypto isn't even regulated, yet heaps of people pile on money into it. But then the same people worry endlessly about chess sponsorships. It's a bit like people that ask me questions about the cost of owning an electric car while paying $2.20 per litre in fuel, of which $0.42 is federal fuel excise taxes. Again, it doesn't make sense. So yes, chess sponsorship is an important thing to consider, but it's not the most important thing to consider. Number two, how much money are you investing per parcel? Now, brokerage fees should be kept, in my opinion, to less than 1% of your parcel of investments. So, if you want to invest $1,000, your brokerage fees should not be more than $10. That is a simple rule to follow and go by. Of course, the lower the fees, the better it is. Remember, brokerage fees is a once-off trading fee. You still need to pay the fees of the ETFs that you hold. If you hold shares, individual shares, then usually there isn't any additional management fees to do that. Now, if you're like me, I invest more than 100 times per year then brokerage fees matter. Imagine paying 100 times $10 each time. That's 10, well, that's $1,000 of brokerage fees every year. And I invest more than 100 times sometimes. So you need to consider how much money you're investing per parcel and then calculate the percentage of that which goes towards brokerage fees. Number three is, do you need more expert advice or are you just a passive investor? What is your investing style? If you're a passive investor, then something like Comsec Pocket or low-cost brokers online might suit you. If you want more expert advice, then maybe you want to subscribe to the premium service of SelfWealth, who provide all the analytics. Or better yet, go for a full-service broker. Again, depends on your net worth. I just can't get past the fact that you'll need to pay more money to get that full service. And I think it can be excessive and you really need to do a value analysis for your situation. Number four, do you want to invest only in Australia or the world markets or just in US markets? Now, this is obvious one. Some brokers only allow Australian or US shares or equities. So if you want Asian markets or European markets, you need to decide that and pick a broker that suits that style. Number five, what costs are you willing to pay? Brokerage, inactivity fees, currency exchange fees, etc., etc. You need to find out about cost apart from brokerage like inactivity fees and what happens if cash sits in the cash account, who gets the interest, what happens when you trade internationally. Surely there are currency exchange fees. You need to do the due diligence about all of these things. A lot of people focus only on the brokerage fees, which is fine, but don't forget there are also other quote unquote hidden fees, which you need to be aware of. Now, while I'm on fees, do you know what fees you're paying for your super fund are? 
really important to be aware of them and make sure you realize unnecessary fees will definitely eat up your investment. And heads up, there is a super series coming up. I'm doing a three-part superannuation series on all the detailed things that you need to know about superannuation. And it's going to be a little bit in depth. So be prepared for that one. We're going to really geek out. I'm really excited about it. Number six, design of the platform. How important is it? Now, the ease of use, in my opinion, is a real advantage for investors. Something that looks and feels amazing is likely to be a hit with investors. Spaceship, Stockspot seem to have good user interfaces that make it easier to understand. There's great graphical interpretation, which is way easier than some of the other companies. To be honest, Vanguard user interface is probably the worst. It's so simple, and I think it's so outdated. The mind boggles for a company that's so big, but I guess... I don't really care about the user interface for me because I'm not logging into it every day. I suspect this is their thinking process. Now, when I say Vanguard user interface, I'm talking about for legacy investors like me, not the personal investors app, which I'm not eligible for. Again, I'm not sure why, but for legacy investors, the Vanguard interface is just not great. Number seven, do you need access to research and analysis tools? Now, this is important to consider. I don't pay attention to the noise in the markets. I don't care what inflation is. I don't care who the Prime Minister of Australia is. And I think maybe by the time this episode is released, we may actually have a new Prime Minister when the election's over. Over the long term for me, it doesn't matter. You may find it otherwise. So whether you need premium services or not, it's something you need to consider. And of course, nothing is free. You need to pay for the privilege of having premium services, such as research and analysis tools. Number eight, customer service. What sort of support do you need? This is really important. Now, I prefer to talk to humans on the other side of the line. I also prefer to talk to Australian call centre staff because I want people to know the local context. I want to support local jobs, etc., etc. Nothing shits me more than online self-help sites. You know a lot from companies that make it very hard for you to find their customer support lines on their website. Optus, I'm talking to you. If you go to an Optus website and you're trying to find the customer support line, they go to the self-help center and then you got to, you know, type in your question and then it'll say, oh, did we answer your question? I just don't have time for that. Just give me the numbers. I can ring up people, not wait too long, and then talk to a real human being who can respond to my question. Call me old-fashioned. Now, I had a look at some of the Australian stock brokerage firms, and let's see how they compare when it comes to customer support. Comsec, they have a phone line uh, between 8am and 7pm, Monday to Friday, Sydney time, no after-hours support or weekend support. Makes sense because the stock market is not open after-hours or weekends. Uh, They have a Twitter handle. Now, don't underestimate the power of Twitter. Recently, I just tweeted Vanguard Australia because their two-factor authentication SMS system wasn't working for a few hours, which was annoying, and I couldn't actually see my logins, and I couldn't actually log into my account. They acknowledged it. So public tweets are great to get their attention. Businesses want feedback and don't want many customers to know their shortfalls publicly. What better way to highlight a problem than Twitter or other social media channels and platforms? Of course, don't whinge too much. It gets annoying, uh, unless, of course, you're me, because I troll Elon Musk a lot. Fix those auto wipers and auto high beams on the Tesla Model 3, mate. It's ridiculously crap. Surprisingly, Comsec didn't have 24-7 live chat option. I couldn't find it, which was interesting. 
Self-wealth, they have no fine line. In fact, they say this is how they keep costs low. They have an email. They have a live chat for US and Oz trading hours mainly. So open between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. weekdays. They're closed on weekends and public holidays. And they also have a self-help fact section, frequently asked questions for common problems or issues. Perla, they have a phone line for general inquiries. I found this quite surprising given that they're a low-cost broker, but it's great to have human support. They also have a self-help center. They also have a live chat. Not sure the timings of this. I tried to contact them on a Thursday at 9.52am and it said not available. So maybe because trading hasn't commenced yet, I'm not sure. Superhero, uh, there's no phone line support. Support site goes to self-help site. They have a live chat option and they couldn't find their opening hours for this. I assume a lot of these opening hours are probably just stock brokerage opening hours, which is ASX, you know, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. or something like that on weekdays and not weekends and public holidays. Um, So those are the main ones that I sort of researched about customer support. Number nine, do you need a smartphone access or tablet access on the move? Now, I think it's useful, but it's not a must. Again, depends on the individual. If you're a mobile focused, then it might be a deal breaker for you if the company broker doesn't have this option. So again, you really shouldn't be logging into your account all the time. So it's not a big deal, but some people are mobile focused, so it's important for them. And I think it's, you know, if it's important for you, you need to consider that. Number 10 is flexible trading options like stop loss orders and more advanced trading features. Now, Comsec and other main brokers offer advanced features of trading. Some online cheaper brokers don't do this. Um, So if you're wanting that level of service, you will need to pay a little bit of a premium. So that just sums up brokers and some of the things you need to know. We've covered a lot. Let's go through it. Number one, brokers, what are they? How do they make money? And how do you lose money? Number two, the difference between full service brokers and discount or online brokers versus robo advisors. Number three, some of the things you need to know when selecting a broker. And number four, a little bit about chess sponsorship and custodian models. That's it for this episode. Um, stay tuned for more episodes coming up. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using, or just leave a five-star review on all of the platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review. On that note, here is a positive review I found, which was great to acknowledge. This is from Jono in Melbourne. Dev, mate, you're going to change people's lives with the knowledge you're sharing. I knew some stuff, but I've certainly learnt a lot more. Thank you from another Melbourneite on the same journey. Cheers, Jono via Apple Podcasts. That was in uh, 2021. Thanks, Jono, for the kind feedback. Not sure if I'm actually changing people's lives, but uh, if it even has a small positive impact, that's the massive win for me. And remember, the three goals, education, empowerment, and entertainment. My name's Dev Raga, and this is My Millennium Money Medical. And until next time, please make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.